0: heard of people doing that? I've never seen it in person, but that's one of those things that I think would make me believe so instantly that someone is a psychopath.
1: Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode two seventy six. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Prillam, and I enjoyed this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by the one and only Samantha Har. That's me. And today, tonight, we are going to be going over the streets of New Commander release notes.
0: Capenna, it's it's Capenna,
1: same thing. <laughs> yes, this is the the nineteen twenties flavored,
0: roaring twenties. Yeah, Art Deco.
1: It it makes me it makes me want to call uh, bars speakeasies and refer to dames' legs as walking sticks.
0: All right, I I admit you've left me speechless on this
1: one. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You know?
0: See, because walking sticks sounds like something you have extra of. You just swap out randomly.
1: You Uh, just swap them? Sure. Yeah. I don't know. So, um, we got demon crime families with a 1920s Art Deco theme.
0: Now, is this part of Capenna or is this at the Command Fest? (laughs) The demon crime Um, families.
1: Probably. You know, if you look at the list of TOs that are running the Commander Fests, maybe they are demon crime we can't families. We call
0: them demon crime families. They're our beloved tournament organizers.
1: I, I don't know. <laughs> They're our beloved tournament organizers. Demon crime families. Okay. All right. Well, with each new set comes new keywords. What's one of our crime, what's, what's one of our crime families and what's their, what is their keyword de jour? What is the keyword de jour?
0: All right. First up, new keywords. We have connive or connive X, which is part of the Obscura faction, which is Esper colors. An example card for this will be Echo Inspector, which is three and a blue for a creature bird rogue. It's a two, three with flying. When Echo Inspector enters the battlefield, it connives. And what that means is draw a card, then discard a card. If you discarded a non-land card, put a plus-one, plus-one counter on this creature. So, like exploring, once you start conniving, you are going to finish conniving until everything is done. So, specifically, opponents can't bolt the Echo Inspector um, or the conniving creature after they see you discard a non-land card. And before you put the counter on the creature, the, the whole conniving finishes. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's no middle conniving pause. Mm. So... If for some reason you can't discard a card, you don't get a counter. The counter is contingent on a specific discard. Um, If a spell or ability on the stack tells a creature to connive and that creature isn't there anymore, the creature still connives. You just won't get a counter if you discard an on-land card. I mean, there's nothing to put it on. Yeah. So that that seems instinctual, but, you know, who knows. And abilities that trigger, quote-unquote, when that creature connives will still trigger because the conniving still happened. Um, even though the creature is dead conniving indeed, you yeah. say,
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So connive X is, is, a variant on that. Um, so you, you draw X, then discard X, whatever the X number is, um, and then put counters equal to non land cards discarded. Um, you do not connive one X times. Yeah. What do you mean? You don't connive one X times?
1: I don't like connive 10. I don't connive one 10 times in a row. I draw ten oh, cards. Oh, yeah, 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 Then okay. I discard ten cards, and Gotta then I put counters. All day. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. They, good. Good note. Good note.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next one, the next mechanic is casualty, and this belongs to the Maestro's or the the Grixis uh, shard. So an example of the casualty mechanic is on this card called a little chat. It's just a little chat. Little chat it's for one in a blue. For one and a blue, we have casualty one, I'll explain what that is in just a second. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the other on the bottom of your library. Okay. Casualty one says, or casualty one means as you cast this spell, you may sacrifice a creature with power, since this is casualty one, with a power one or greater when you do copy this spell. Okay. So that's reflexive trigger. So casualty in. Okay. Means you got to sacrifice a creature with power in or greater, and if you do, you copy it. You can only sacrifice one creature, and you only get one copy if you do. So you can't be like, "Well, I'm gonna sacrifice five creatures and get five copies." Mm-mm. You pay the casualty cost of the sp- uh, if you pay the casualty cost of the spell, the copy is gonna resolve first. The copy goes on the stack above a little chat. All right, and then like copies, the copy is being created on the stack. It is not cast. Now, there is another card in the commander product called Anhelio. Anelio eh, whatever. He's a painter. And he costs Grixis for one three with Death Touch. It says the first instant or sorcery you cast each turn has casualty two. So if I were to cast a little chat which has casualty one, and I have Anelio the Painter, it's gonna have casualty one and casualty two. And so, yeah, I can sacrifice two creatures and get two copies. Hmm. Yelp. Oh, I'll
0: be darned. Right, next we have Blitz, which is part of the, the Riveteers group over here, which are Jund colors. An example is Mayhem Patrol for one and a red. Creature Devil Warrior 1-2.
1: Can I make a comment real quick? See that dog in the background?
0: I do see that dog.
1: That means it's a Paw Patrol.
0: Oh, it is a Paw Patrol.
1: It's a Paw Patrol.
0: Are you telling me that dog is a cop? <laughs> anyway, so Paw Patrol here has Menace. <laughs> okay. Um, whenever Mayhem Patrol attacks, target creature gets plus 1 plus 0 until end of turn, and then it's got, of course, Blitz for 1 and a red. So that means if you cast this spell for its Blitz cost, it gains Haste, and when this creature dies, draw a card. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So if you pay the Blitz cost, you are still casting the spell. And normal timing rules will apply, of course. Um, If you pay the blitz cost, the sacrifice will occur only if the creature is still on the battlefield when the delayed trigger resolves. If it has changed zones or it's died, it's a different object and it's going to stay where it is. So don't panic. Mm -hmm. Um, Despite the blitz creature gaining haste, you don't actually have to attack with it. You know, the world is your oyster. You do what you want to (laughs) do. You do you. You do you, boo. If a creature enters the battlefield as a copy of a creature whose blitz cost was paid, the copy won't have haste, won't be sacrificed, and you won't draw a card when it dies. Oh, it, It's a copy. Yeah. That's how it works. The trigger lets you draw a card when it dies for any reason, even if it's earlier than the step sacrifice. So if it's dead, it's dead.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that kind of is typically a truism outside of the movies and, and books. If it dead, it dead.
0: Dead means dead.
1: Most times. All right. So the next we're going to talk about is not a keyword. It's an ability word that belongs to the uh, Car- Cabaretti, which is not Naya. And their mechanic is alliance. So an example of this is the attended socialite. For one in a green, it's a 2-1 elf druid with alliance. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control... Attended socialite gets plus one plus one until end of turn. So again, alliance is just an ability word. It has no rules meaning on its own. It's just it's just there to group abilities together so that you have a, a you have a theme essentially to link a bunch of cards together. And this particular theme of alliance is whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control. Blah da blah da blah blah, blah blah. That's that's the actual text on the card. Blah da blah da blah da blah. blah, blah.
0: I'm not going to tell people otherwise.
1: Right. Yeah, it's going to be when I tag this episode and I have to put tags in the, you know, what? for the podcast. Blah, blah, blah. Or Bob blah, blah, blah attorney at law.
0: <laughs> All right, my turn? Sure. Excellent. Let's talk about shield counters for the brokers, which is band colors. Wait, Why do you have any ellipses on this? Like shield counters, like you're trailing off, like, oh, shield counters. That's cool.
1: Uh, I mean... I, I don't know um, <laughs> I have been told that trademark. that I have been told that it has something to do with I don't remember I'll have to think it's about it
0: it's kind of an old person thing
1: it's not an old person it's an older person
0: oh, oh okay okay I'll, let, I'll I'll let you have that
1: it has something to do with having to pay for text messages as opposed to having unlimited texts
0: <laughs> actually I I. I I think I know what you're talking about. We'll get back to that later. Anyway, All right. shield counters. So example is Rock's Pummeler for five and a green, creature rhino soldier, 6-3. Rock's Pummeler enters the battlefield with a shield counter on it. And what that means is if it would be dealt damage or destroyed, remove a shield counter from it instead. So neat. Rock's Pummeler has trample as long as it has a shield counter on it. Yeah. And you, you have a note here that says, "This is the totem armor we have at home." Yeah, <laughs> going through the McDonald's drive-through of keywords.
1: <laughs> um, I I firmly believe that we're getting we're getting a like a Lord of the Rings flavored set at some point. I bet you we're going to have a Shield Maiden of Rohan card that has a Ooh, shield counter. That's cool. Because that kind of makes sense. Like that's that's gotta be a thing. And if Watsy, if you didn't do that, you drop the ball big time. <laughs> anyway.
0: So shield counters are not keyword counters, but they function similarly. Um, so because it's not an ability that it can't be, it's not a one of the, the keyword counters, it's not an ability that can be lost or added with, with, when, when things are removing abilities. So shield counters just interact with damage, not sacrificing creatures. Um, removing a shield counter isn't the same thing as regenerating, although it's similar, um, but obviously it doesn't, Tap the creature and remove it from combat. Um, if, unpre- if unpreventable damage is dealt, like with calling a professional, the damage will still be dealt and the counter will still be removed. Oof. Yeah. So double whammy. All right. So apparently there, there was a card back in the day, back in the olden times, called Pallation Accord that had shield counters, but it's, it's getting errata. It's not working. Yeah. I, I think it's getting like palliation counters or something, they said, right?
1: Yeah. It's just so funny that when shield counters got announced, people were rushing out there and going, What about palliation accord? And it's like if you think dunks didn't take palliation accord into account already, you didn't listen when Dun- dunks was on the episode uh,
0: you were a the podcast. Yes. Um I actually have no idea if I'm saying that word right, but Goose? Not goose <laughs> Pelation, palliation, Pallation, palliation.
1: Whatever, whatever. Oh, you silly goss. Okay, the next... Tell the good
0: people about Hideaway.
1: All right. So Hideaway is a returning-ish mechanic from Lorwyn. It's got a little bit of a facelift. Uh, The example card with Hideaway is Cemetery Tampering for two and a black. It's an enchantment that says Hideaway 5. When this enchantment enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library, exile one of them face down, and then put the rest on the bottom in a random order. Now you can stop and say, like, "Wow, oh, that that seems different," and it, yeah, it is. I'm gonna explain how in just a second. But the card would really Cemetery Tampering would su- really suck if that's all Hideaway was was just it comes into play and put one card under it. Okay. Um, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may mill three cards. Then, if there are twenty or more cards in your graveyard, you may play the exiled card without paying its mana cost. So Hideaway was was basically, uh, it's a returning mechanic from lore when it was on a cycle of lands. When the permanent enters the battlefield, you put some number of cards under, or you you looked at some number of cards, I think it was four, used to be. Yeah. And then you put one of them exiled, kind of, you stuck it under the land. And you put the others on the, on the bottom of your library. And then when you met a condition, you could... Play the exile card without paying the mana cost. So what hideaway in means, because four used to be in the actual hideaway ability and they broke it out. So hideaway in means when this permanent enters the battlefield, look at the top end cards of your library. Exile one of them face down and put the rest of the uh, rest on the bottom of your library. The exiled card gains any player who has controlled this permanent that exiled this card may look at this card in the exile zone. Okay. Because when you, when you exile a card face down, you know, you can't look at it unless you've had permission to already look at it, okay? Now, you what's,
0: cast it, but you can't look at it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, And then the whole Surprise. thing... Any player who's controlled that permanent, the, this permanent that exiled this card. So if you have cast Cemetery Tampering and hidden a card under it, and I gained control of Cemetery Tampering, now I can look at the card... And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. When you play a, a control magic effect to yoink it back over to your side, I don't have control anymore. But because I did control that permanent, I did have permission to look at it. I can keep looking at it, even though you have the cemetery tampering back. Okay. Yeah, so that that was true for Hideaway in its previous incarnation. Um, not its original, but its previous Um, But they've made a few other changes. So Hideaway used to just be four cards, but they've changed it to be Hideaway in now. Also, Hideaway used to include having the permanent enter the battlefield tapped. That's been removed from the ability. So all those old lands have been eroded to explicitly say that they entered the battlefield tapped. So it's functionally, it's nearly functionally the same, okay? And now the cards are put on the bottom of the library in a random order instead of in any order.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually meaning to ask before we started, why? Why what? Why bother random order?
1: Oh, probably to make Arena better.
0: Oh, okay. I accept that answer because I'm sitting here like, who on earth cares?
1: <laughs> well, right, because now I've got to pick the the order of those four cards that go on the bottom of my library. And if it's in like the first, if you're casting this on turn three, turn four, you ain't ever seeing those cards anyway, so, like, why pretend like it matters what order you stick them in?
0: All right, friends, let's get into the specific cards.
1: Ooh, Yes, where we start, where we do a lot of A's up front, and then we progressively get less and do less and less cards per letter as we go on.
0: I feel like there just were a bunch of A's, but maybe... I'm...
1: There were a bunch of A's, but I've also noticed that I tend to, like, oh, when putting this stuff together, like, if I've already done the an intervening if clause... Like I tend to do the first one as opposed to like look for the most interesting one.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Whatever. Well, whatever. 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 First up, whatever. First up we have All Seeing Arbiter. Um. So that card is four blue blue for a creature avatar five four with flying. Whenever All Seeing All Seeing Arbiter enters the battlefield or attacks, draw two cards then discard a card. Whenever you discard a card, target creature and opponent controls gets minus x minus o. Until your next turn, where X is the number of different mana values among cards in your graveyard. So, just a quick reminder, remember that split cards in the graveyard have a total mana value of both halves. Modal double-faced cards, we only look at the front. And X in a mana value is zero. And land's mana value is zero in the graveyard.
1: Yeah, and this is this is going to be there's a lot of cards in this set that care about uh different mana values or five cards with different mana values or just cards with different mana values. So those that that reminder applies for all the cards that we're not going to talk about.
0: Yeah, I feel like I saw this reminder a couple of times throughout the notes.
1: Yeah. Yep. All right. So the next card is an offer you can't refuse. I don't know, I can refuse a lot. But for I'm off the Yeah, I, I am. I hate it. Um, for a single blue mana, you get an instant that says counter target non-creature spell. Its controller creates two treasure tokens. All right. So if the spell is no longer a legal target, when an offer you can't refuse goes to resolve, you're not going to get any treasure tokens because the spell is going to be, you know, just put into the graveyard. It's going to fail to resolve. Now, if the spell that's being targeted for some reason can't be countered, so you can still target it, it's just the spell can't be countered, the treasure tokens are still going to get created, even though the spell wasn't countered. So if you have an uncounterable spell, you can use, you know, an offer you can't refuse is kind of like a one, you know, for a single blue, make two treasures. Not saying that's good. I'm just saying it's possible.
0: (laughs) Yeah, don't come to us for advice on what's good. We were just telling you we're just telling you what the book says, you know? Alright, next up we have Angel of Suffering. I love this card. Yeah. It's so spicy. I don't know. It's neat. Anyway, Angel of Suffering, three black black creature, nightmare angel. It's a five three with flying, of course. If damage would be dealt to you, prevent that damage and mill twice that many cards. It's neat. So it is neat notes on that if you have to mill more cards than you've got you mill everything the damage Mm -hmm. is still prevented though even if you can't even if you can't mill everything even if you can't mill as many as you were theoretically supposed to
1: yes so if you've got five cards left in your library and you take three damage you're gonna you're gonna mill those five cards uh and that three damage is still going to be prevented
0: although you know i feel like it would be kind of cool if you ran out of cards to mill you get to choose somebody else's cards to start to mill (laughs)
1: that that would be interesting
0: like just go off like we're we're getting through six cards (laughs) anyway (laughs) anyway if the damage can't be prevented for some reason like um with calling a professional you do still have to mill
1: okay uh and just so people know calling the calling a professional is for two and a red it's an instant that says players can't gain life this turn damage can't be prevented this turn calling a professional deals three damage to any target and i think is that like the building's on fire behind the professional? It is. Yeah.
0: Maybe he's a professional arsonist. <laughs> yeah.
1: The building was on fire and it was my fault. Right. <laughs> for those Dresden fans out there.
0: Absolutely. I want that profession. <laughs> All
1: right. The next card that we're going to talk about is Avon Heartstabber. Now, um, for this is part of a cycle of cards uh, for a black and a blue. It is a bird assassin, a 1-1 bird assassin with flying, because if it didn't have flying, it'd be kind of a crappy bird. Um, it would be. It'd be a kiwi. <laughs> as long as there are five or more mana values among cards in your graveyard, Avon Heartstabber gets plus two, plus two, and has death touch. And when Avon Heartstabber dies, mill two cards and draw a card. All right, Avon, uh, if uh or Heartstabber gains and loses the plus two, plus two, as soon as the condition starts or stops being true. Okay. So if it's taken two damage, because it's a 1-1. One, one. If it's taken two damage, or sorry, it's a 3-3, it's a and it's got, uh, it's taken two damage, and then someone removes that fifth card from the graveyard, Avenheart Stabber goes back to being uh, a 1-1. One, one. Okay. Um Five or more mana value, five or more mana values among cards in your graveyard means that there has to be at least five different mana values. Uh, And then the same thing about split cards and double-faced cards, up from when we talked about All Seeing Arbiter. But yeah, so it's possible um, that the creature could take one point, is going to take like one point of damage, and then something happens during combat where uh, a card ends up in the graveyard and bumps it up to five five different mana values, and a it's a three three when we finally go do the um, the action. It's a little weird to make that happen. It's a little hard to make that happen, but it's possible.
0: Next up, we have Ballroom Brawlers for three white-white. It's a creature human warrior, three-five. Whenever Ballroom Brawlers attacks, Ballroom Brawlers and up to one other target creature you control both gain your choice of first strike or lifelink until end of turn. So you target the creatures when the ability goes on the stack, But you choose first strike or lifelink as it resolves. And key note here, both creatures get the same ability. You can't do like one gets lifelink, one gets first strike. They got to match. Because they're dance partners. Yeah,
1: I feel like they missed out on an opportunity to give this card blitz. Or give a version. Because then you could have the ballroom blitz.
0: Oh, I was going to say, I guess it depends on what kind of dancing you're doing.
1: Ballroom blitz. Okay. Now, probably the card that reminds me the most of a cartoon from the 90s.
0: I love this card.
1: Black Market Tycoon is a 2-2 cat rogue. Looking like a dapper businessman for a a red and a green. Uh, At the beginning of your upkeep, Black Market Tycoon deals two damage to you for each treasure you control. And then has tap, create a treasure token. Okay. So normally this would be the type of card where we do our standard, you know, this is how an intervening if trigger bit works or, but this isn't an intervening if trigger. So what that means is, is if you, at the beginning of your upkeep, when this trigger goes on the stack, it's just going to go on the stack and it's going to count and look at the number of uh, treasures when it resolves. So maybe, maybe wait until after this trigger resolves before you start doing fancy stuff, shenanigans to get a whole bunch of treasure tokens.
0: Yeah, it turns out we only explain explain intervening if triggers if there are intervening if triggers.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Next is brass knuckles for four. <laughs> I
1: was like, yes, yes. I'm not. I'm. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about how the thing that I'm not going to talk about doesn't apply. Got him. <laughs> Got him. All right, brass.
0: All right, brass knuckles for four. It's an artifact equipment. When you cast this spell, copy it. Um, equipped creature has double strike as long as two or more equipments are attached to it. Equip one. So cool flavor. Yeah. Multiple instances of double strike is redundant, though. You don't get triple strike, mm. which is kind of... Kind of? It'd be kind think, of cool if you could. You I think you can just I'm, keep adding combats.
1: I think there's an unset card that can make triple strike.
0: Ooh. We can just keep adding combats for days. Uh, yeah. Yeesh. Yeesh. Creating a copy of a permanent spell, er, creating a copy of a permanent spell, it, it enters the battlefield as a token, but it's not the same as an effect that creates a token. Yeah. So anything that happens when you create a token, that's not what this is.
1: Yeah, there's sometimes there's cards that care like, whenever you create a token, create right. two tokens instead. Or whenever you create a token, make a squirrel token also. You know, this isn't that. All right, Broker's Ascendancy for... A Bant. For a single Bant, you too can have a Broker's Ascendancy, which is an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control and a loyalty counter on each Planeswalker you control. If you somehow have an animated Planeswalker, you know, something that's both a creature and a Planeswalker, Broker's Ascendancy is going to put a plus one, plus one counter on it for being a creature and it's going to give it a loyalty counter for being a Planeswalker. Ay. Hey,
0: Bonus! So, Broker's Charm coming up next is also also costs a bant. Hmm. It is instant. Choose one. So we got we got some modes here. Got some options. Um, first up, target creature you control gets plus one plus plus zero until end of turn. It deals damage equal to its power or target cre- equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker an opponent controls. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. The other two are destroy target enchantment or draw two cards. So that first one with all the words is, <laughs> with the has the notes here. Um, the first mode can't be chosen if you can't target your creature and their creature or planeswalker. You do have to have two legal. You have to be able to see two legal targets. They gotta they gotta be there.
1: Get all the targets.
0: You gotta have some targets. So like fighting, if the first if the first mode goes to resolve and your creature isn't a legal target anymore, no damage is dealt. However. If the opponent's creature slash planeswalker isn't legal, your creature will still get the plus one, plus oh. Oh, yeah. They're just looking for a participation credit here.
1: (laughs) Yep. All right. The next card is if anyone's played any of the Spider-Man games on the PlayStation uh, 4 and 5, this is the Citizen's Crowbar, popular weapon of the Vagabonds in that game. For one and a white, it is an artifact equipment. (laughs) <laughs> this, this crowbar is hilarious because it's got like angel wings on it. It's such a it's such like a holy crowbar. This made me
0: laugh really hard when I saw it. Reminds me of like the people's elbow.
1: What is what is that? That meme? Is it Arthur where he's just got like the fist? And he's he's just to symbolize that he's really mad. Yeah, that's this only. he has got a crowbar in it. It's the Plus Arthur fist
0: angel crowbar
1: <laughs> angel crowbar. OK, so oh, we've hyped this up. When Citizen's Crowbar enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 green and white Citizen Creature token, then attach Citizen Crowbar to it. Equipped Creature gets plus 1, plus 1, and has white, tap, sacrifice Citizen's Crowbar, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Equip 2. Alright, what's special about this is if an opponent... So if you've equipped this onto a creature, and an opponent somehow gains control of your creature that is equipped with citizen's crowbar. The the creature is being given the ability, but the opponent can't activate it. Even if that creature's got haste, because part of the cost is sacrificing the crowbar, and even though they gained control of the creature, they didn't gain control of citizen's crowbar, and your opponent cannot sacrifice permanents that they don't control. Yeah? All right. All right. This this next card looks the art looks like something out of a Hellboy comic.
0: The art is fantastic and I I'm so glad I get to talk about this card because this instantly stuck out to me when reading through this. So All right. Cut your losses. Four blue blue sorcery. Casualty 2. Target player mills half their library rounded down. Now, if you copy cut your losses, you don't mill the whole library. What? You mill half.
1: Yeah, and then half again, then and then, then half. half the that's that's all of it.
0: Now, the reason I'm excited, actually excited, maybe a strong word. The reason I, I'm interested to talk about this card is because anyone that has ever worked in retail has had to argue with somebody <laughs> about this very principle. Have you? Everybody I know that works in retail has at some point had somebody sit there and look angry and confused at a calculator. Because they brought in, like, two coupons and don't understand how, like, 50 plus 30% doesn't just equal 80% off. (laughs) And I'm getting, like, wartime flashbacks thinking about this card. Like
1: I have been, in recent memory, I have been that person with a coupon for custom framing at, like, a Joanne Fabric's.
0: Okay, well, custom framing is insanely expensive. So even if you knew better, I, I might make the argument just to see if they'll <laughs> okay, thank give you. it to me anyway.
1: Thank you, because <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize. Like I didn't read the small print where it's just like you know the forty percent off of the the twenty percent off. That you know, screw you, buddy. But yeah, but why yeah, that's free. Why isn't this
0: free? Please, please, with this anyway.
1: So we could alter this card to just look like a Kohl's.
0: Coles cash. <laughs> <laughs> we, you get some bonus losses for later.
1: <laughs> All right. The next card is dig, dig up the body. Yeah. Very evocative for two in a black. It is an instant with casualty one. It says mill two cards and sorry, mill two cards. Mm. Then you may remove a creature card from your graveyard ...to your hand. same remove, return. Then you may return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Alright, so, you may return any creature card from your graveyard to your hand... ...not just creatures you milled, and... ...if you paid the casualty cost and sacrificed a creature... ...well, you can you can dig up the body of the creature that you casualty-ified. Yeah, because th- this doesn't target. So it happens on resolution, so you sack a creature... When you cast Dig Up the Body, you put a copy on the stack, and then the copy can go get the creature that you sacked with Casualty.
0: If you want. If you wanna. If
1: you want. Again, not saying it's good, just that you can.
0: Now we've got Endless Detour, which is relatable in the way I navigate to places. For Green, White, Blue, it's an instant. All right, here we go. The owner of Target spell, non-land permanent, or card in a graveyard puts it on top or bottom of their library. So, if you target a spell on the stack, it isn't technically countered when you put it on top or bottom of the library. It's practically countered, but for effects that care about countering, it's not countered. Hmm. That just ends up being a happenstance. Yep. So, the the owner gets to choose if it goes on top or bottom.
1: Yep. All right. Next up is evolving door which is a really cool kind of pun name when we when we go over what the the card oh, does
0: oh i just i'm done. i just
1: <laughs> for two and a green it is an artifact for one tap sacrifice a creature count the colors of the sacrifice creature then search your library for a creature card that's exactly that many colors plus one exile that card then shuffle you may cast the exiled card, activate only as a sorcery. Alright, so basically this lets you turn your one-mana creature, or, or basically your one-mana creature into a tutor for a two-mana creature, your two-color two creature. Turns your two-color creature into a tutor for a three-color creature. Also, if you sac a colorless creature, then you can search for a creature card with exactly one color All right, Uh, you still gotta pay all the costs for that creature though. It's, it's, you're just kinda exiling it and then you're given permission to cast it and you gotta cast it as the Evolving Door's ability resolves. So no like storing it up for later. As for the colors, we look at the creature as it existed on the battlefield. So we take into account copy effects and you know, what side was face up and any color changing effects, but we look at it as it was on the battlefield when it got sacrificed.
0: It is how we remembered it.
1: Yes, in our hearts, as we kicked it through the evolving door.
0: <laughs> All right, now we've got Falco Sparra, I Falco. Falco's my favorite character to play in Smash. Oh. Anyway. Oh
1: well, Star Fox. Can you play Falco in Star Fox? Or is he just yelling at you in the corner?
0: Uh, none, of the, none of the Star Fox games I ever played actually let you play as Falco, I don't think. Okay. But it Falco Spara Pact Weaver, one green, white, blue for a legendary creature bird demon. <laughs> it's a three-three. I think all birds are demons. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I like them. I just like them at a, a little bit of a distance for me. I like to respect them from a distance. Huh. So Falco here, flying trample. Falco Spara Pact Weaver enters the battlefield with a shield counter on it. You may look at the top card of your library any time you may cast spells from the top of your library by removing a counter from a creature you control in addition to paying their other costs. That's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. So, because you can pay costs in any order, if you have a creature with a counter and you want to cast a spell from the top of your library with casualty and copy it, you can remove a counter and then sack the creature. Just make sure that the counter you are removing doesn't knock the power below the casualty requirement. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. That is, yeah, be cautious. So because the last ability is an additional cost, it can be combined with alternate costs. So hello, flashback.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Get that. All right. Uh, The next card that we're going to talk about is Gala Greeters. Um, (laughs) This fine blue fellow here. The all arts of this are so good. Is this is this the one where there's like uh, regional art? Oh yeah, and
0: they're beautiful. Yeah,
1: there are a lot of different there's some really cool ones of these. So the the elf druid, for some reason's looking like a, like an extra from angel, um is a one in a green for a 1 1 elf druid with alliance. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control. Choose one that hasn't been chosen this turn. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Gala Greeters, create a tapped treasure token, gain two life. If multiple creatures enter the battlefield at the same time, you still have to choose a mode for each of the triggers. And uh they see each other's choices. Okay, so you can't you can run out if more than three creatures enter the battlefield uh, in a turn. So if I play um warp world. I don't know. And like 20 things enter the battlefield. I I guess that would actually... um, And like 20 things enter the battlefield at the same time. I'm going to... When the triggers go on the stack and I have to choose a mode, I'm going to like do the first three and then I'm I'm out. Like all the other modes just aren't going to do anything.
0: (laughs) I'm going to bounce.
1: Yes. That's it.
0: That's it. So next we got Giada Font of Hope for one and a white legendary creature Angel. It's a 2-2, Flying Vigilance.
1: Which yeah. which font is the font of hope?
0: Ooh.
1: Sans Serif?
0: Well, well, I think any of the Sans Serif... Nah, not any of them. No, Times I New really Roman? I really take that back.
1: Courier. I,
0: between Serif and Sans Serif fonts, I, I think Serif fonts might give me more hope. They're more academic.
1: Okay. I like Courier font. That's Fix- so
0: random. What do you mean fi- Courier?
1: Fixed with fonts give me hope. What the
0: heck? We'll get back to the Courier courier of all the options yeah we'll come back to that so giada here has flying and vigilance each other angel you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it for each angel you already control it's got an ability here tap colon add white spend this mana only to cast an angel spell So in the whole, each angel you already control situation there, the word already is just extra reinforcement that if multiple angels enter the battlefield at the same time, they don't count each other for this ability. That would be real spicy. Yup. But no, good try.
1: All right. We have for The next card is Goldhound.
0: He's so handsome.
1: Uh, he, He is a good boy. For one, for a single red... It is a 1-1 one, one Artifact Creature Treasure Dog for First Strike, and it has First Strike, Menace, and Sacrifice, Treasure Dog, add one mana of any color. So so Treasure Dog might be a good boy, but he's not the goodest boy because he doesn't have haste, so he can't sacrifice the turn he enters the battlefield. He's just, he's just a good boy. He's, he's, he's He's an all right boy.
0: Three out of five stars boy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Halo fountain for two and a white. It's an artifact and it's got, oh my gosh, it's got three activated abilities down here. First up white tap, untap a tapped creature. You control colon. Create a one, one green and white citizen creature token. Next for white, white tap, untap two, two tapped creatures. You control colon. Draw a card. The last one is white, 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 tap, untap, 15 tapped creatures you control, you win the game. (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) Absolutely. Just because. You've earned it, pal. So since you activate mana abilities before you pay costs, you can tap creatures from mana and use their new tapped status to fuel the untapping part of the card. Well, that is spicy. That's a ton
1: of yeah. fun. Alright. Oh good. I get this card. LaGrella the Magpie.
0: I don't understand well, why I don't understand why people seem to have so such a hard time with this. Maybe I'm missing something.
1: It's it's okay, so let's let's go over it. For a bant, it is a 2-3 human soldier. And I think what happens is is just when you read it as a block of text without any like inflection then it kind of starts becoming word soup. But when Lagrella the Magpie enters the battlefield, exile any number of other target creatures controlled by different players until Lagrella leaves the battlefield. When an exiled creature, oh sorry, when an exiled card enters the battlefield under your control this way, put two plus one plus one counters on it. All right. So the bit where it says when it enters the battlefield, exile any number of other target creatures controlled by different players, what that basically means is um, for each player, you can target a creature. You know that that player controls. Uh, typically, what happens is with targeting, it tells you before the word target, it tells you how many things you can target, and then after the word target, it gives you the the restrictions on target. So that's that's what it's doing. Um, then the when e- when an exile card enters the battlefield under your control this way, dot 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 those ellipses. Um, it's setting up a delayed trigger as part of the resolution of Legrella's ability. That trigger that trigger will resolve even if LaGrella got turned to frogged or um, uh, dressed down or whatever. So, yep.
0: I feel like that's the card I've seen the most sort of questions and complaints about over the pre-release weekend so far. But
1: I I think I think it's okay. So I've seen a lot of smart people complain about this card online. And what I think happens is they read it, and then they go, wait, what? And then they read it slower again. And then, because magic players are magic players, they get mad that they had to read it a second time, so they complain about it.
0: Hate having to read.
1: Yeah, to read a second read. time. Mm. Reading the card's supposed to explain the card, and it made happens. me read it slowly.
0: Can't stand Having to read things to understand them. Now we've got Luxior, Giada's Gift. So that is a, for one, one generic mana, um, legendary artifact, equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each counter on it. Equipped permanent isn't a planeswalker and is a creature in addition to its other types. Loyalty abilities can still be activated.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Cute. So equip Planeswalker 1 and equip 3. Equipment can only be attached to creatures, so equip Planeswalker is a variant of equip that lets you attach to a Planeswalker as though it were a creature. Then it turns into a creature so it can stay attached. That that makes sense. It it makes it make sense.
1: Yeah. There's a few other cards in here. Like if you notice, it'll say something like, you know, there will be an enchantment that. Uh, an enchantment that turns a creature into a vehicle, and the enchantment will say, enchant creature or vehicle. And the reason being is, if it just said enchant creature, so you target your creature and say, I'm going to turn this creature into a vehicle. And then you oh, turn okay. it into a vehicle, <laughs> this is the enchantment's like, oh, I only have enchant creature, I can't enchant this vehicle. And it's just going to fall off, and then it's going to be a creature again. And then it's like, well oh, that, why'd I do that? What was the point of that? Right. All right. All right. So the next card we're going to talk about is Mask Bandits. They're so cute. It's a Raccoon Rogue. I love them. For three and a jund. Now this is actually a cycle of cards, but we're only going to talk about the Mask Bandits because it's just Raccoon Rogue, <laughs> really. So it's three and a three and a jund for a five-five Vigilance Menace Raccoon Rogue with the ability to exile Mask Bandits from your hand colon target land gets tap. Add a black, a red, or a green, um, until Mask Bandits is cast from exile. You may cast Mask Bandits for as long as it remains remains in exile. Okay, so the land is going to continue uh, is going to continue to have that ability. So Mask Bandits is just sitting there, but you can use it. You can use that ability to tap the land for mana to cast the Masked Bandits. One other thing. If Masked Bandits is removed from exile somehow without being cast, the land's going to continue to have the ability also. Yes.
0: Fancy. Right now we've got Maestro's Theater, which is a land. When Maestro's Theater enters the battlefield, sacrifice it. When you do, search your library for a basic island, swamp, or mountain card. Put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle, and you gain one life. Now the note here says, why is this trigger written this way, instead of like a tap sack like like Evolving Wilds or a Panorama? And I would assume the answer is just to force you to do it right then. I think So you can't have it sitting around waiting. I I
1: think the reason is arena. Because the way arena kind of pauses like if you have the ability to activate a card, it'll stop. So, if this land had the ability to like tap and sack to do this, it would be like anytime you did anything, it would just be like, I'm stopping. Wanna do you want to do it? Do you want to do it now?
0: Yeah, you want to do it? How about, how about now? This is the get on with it wording.
1: Right. Right. It's just like, okay, just come on already. All right. Next up, we have Old Nixie, Obnixilus the adversary, for one. Black and a red. We have a legendary creature, Nixilis. (laughs) And if you say his name backwards, he disappears. Uh, Which is a three loyalty planeswalker with the following. Casualty X. The copy isn't legendary and has a starting loyalty of X. Okay. Uh, For plus one, each opponent loses two life until they discard a card. Oh, sorry. Unless they discard a card. If you control a demon or a devil, you gain two life. Okay, the minus two ability is create a 1-1 one, one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. And the minus seven is target player draws seven cards and loses seven life. All right, casualty X. It's going to actually let you choose what to pay for the casualty cost. Uh, so like what creature you need to sacrifice the power. The copy of old Nixie over here is exactly the same as Nixie Sr., just with X-starting loyalty and isn't a planeswalker. Or sorry, isn't isn't legendary. So remember, the legend rule only applies if both permanents with the same name are legendary. And in this particular case, one is legendary, one is not. So you can actually find a way to copy that token. If you can find a way to copy it, you can make a little Nixie, a full army of Nix juniors. Jr. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> I feel like, so his name is Obnixilis, but I feel like when you call him Old Nixie, that that sounds like a gentleman that ought to hop up on a hickory stump and say, Boy, let me
1: tell you what. <laughs> Boy, let me tell you what. He's, well, I guess you didn't know it, but he's a fiddle player too. <laughs>
0: I would not make a bet with the man pictured on this card <laughs> under any circumstances.
1: Absolutely not. Oh, no. that's I'm coming with a
0: gold pinstripe suit. I am out. Right? <laughs> out, skis. Eh. <laughs> so th- this card I find peculiar and a little confusing. So we okay. got Reservoir Kraken. Yeah. Two blue blue. Creature Kraken, 6-6, six, six, Trample, Ward 2. At the beginning of each combat... If Reservoir Kraken is untapped, any opponent may tap an untapped creature they control. If they do, tap Reservoir Kraken and create a 1-1 blue fish creature token with this creature can't be blocked. So in a multiplayer game, opponents won't know who or even if Reservoir Kraken will attack. What what does that mean? What does that note mean?
1: Well, that means it's at the beginning of combat, so you haven't actually declared attackers yet. So that means I got to like if you've got a reservoir kraken, I gotta be like, Oh, are they gonna attack me or are they gonna attack somebody else? So I gotta decide to tap down your your reservoir kraken. Um
0: Well, I, I never know if anything's attacking until it is.
1: <laughs> well, in in multiplayer, you've gotta make the decision uh whether or not you're gonna tap it down before before you know. Alright.
0: All right, all right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And 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 while uh While you are tapping this uh, uh, creature, if you decide to tap this creature down, be sure to play, uh, uh, what's that song that Mr. Balland played in Reservoir Dogs? Do you remember?
0: Oh, I haven't seen that movie in a million years. Yeah,
1: but you got to play that song. Excellent. Yes.
0: So, each opponent in turn order chooses to tap an untapped creature for the trigger, even if a previous opponent already chose a creature to tap. So you, you still only gain one fish token regardless of how many opponents tapped creatures. And yeah, like like you say, this is one of those. That just because they can do it doesn't mean it's smart, but it is an option open to you. Go live your dreams. Go live your Kraken fish dreams.
1: If you've got three opponents, they can each choose to tap a creature. Okay?
0: Yep.
1: Um, to, to, and the Reservoir, ta- reservoir Kraken's only going to tap once, and you're only going to get one blue fish. You're going to get one fish, not two fish. Not a red fish, but a blue fish.
0: Oh, oh, oh! I see. Aren't you clever? Aren't you clever? All right, all
1: right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up is Riveter's Ascendancy for a Jund. It is an enchantment that says, "Whenever you sacrifice a creature, you may return target creature card with lesser mana value from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. You can do this only once per turn." All right. So do this only once per turn is kind of a thing that they've started doing within like the last year. Um, It's referring to returning a creature from your graveyard, uh, a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield using that ability. It's going to keep triggering with each sacrifice creature. So if you somehow sacrifice 20 creatures, it's going to keep triggering until you opt to do the May bit. Okay, then once you do. All of those other triggers on the stack. So let's say you got 20 instances on the stack. And, you know, the first one, the first one you go like, no, 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 all the way through. And then on the 10th one, you say, well, now I'm going to do it. The rest of the other nine abilities, they still triggered. But when they go to resolve, they're not going to do anything because you can only do this once each turn. And then later in that same turn, if you sacrifice a creature, this trigger is not going to not going to happen at all. Okay. Now, do this ability only once per turn. That does that puts a restriction on that Riveter's assembly. If you somehow have two or three or four Riveter's assemblies, they're each gonna. They each get their only their own. Do this only once.
0: Are you saying Riveter's assembly?
1: Uh, ascendancy. I might have been Riveteers saying
0: assemb- ascendancy.
1: Riveteers I, ascendancy. Riveteers
0: ascendancy. we both you and I make fun of people for not reading, and then we ourselves do not.
1: I, you know, hey. <laughs> Riveter's Ascendancy.
0: Riveteers. Junk-
1: Riveteers.
0: There you go. Next up, we got Scheming Fence. For white and a blue, creature human citizen, 2-3. As Scheming Fence enters the battlefield, you may choose a non-land permanent. Activated abilities of the chosen permanent can't be activated. Scheming Fence has all Activated abilities of the chosen permanent except for loyalty abilities. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to activate those abilities. That's a ton of fun. Yeah. So, some notes here. Scheming fence only gains activated abilities. No triggers, no keywords, no static abilities unless they come from activated abilities. Hmm. Um, and, And please be aware that some activated abilities just in and of themselves, don't actually do anything. Or,
1: or aren't going to do anything on Scheming Fence.
0: Right. Aren't going to do anything here. So, for example, Scheming fi- scheming Fence can't equip. Mm. <laughs> like, what would that even mean, right? Like, <laughs> what would that look like in practice? Anyway. I
1: don't know. This guy kind of looks like Littlefinger a little bit, so I imagine he'd, he'd figure something out.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, he can't equip, or the activated ability might be tied to a linked trigger or a static ability, so... Choose, choose your
1: choose your right.
0: victim carefully here.
1: All right. The Soul of Emancipation for four and a bant. It is a 5-7 avatar. And if you look at the art, it kind of looks like, like Aang kind of chilling in the middle of that thing. Eh? Oh, okay. Yeah, look at that. All right. All right. Okay. When Soul of Emancipation enters the battlefield, destroy up to three other target non-land permanents. For each of those permanents, its controller creates a 3-3 white angel creature token with flying. Alright? If a permanent is no longer a legal target when this ability goes to resolve, so you targeted three things, and, you know, one of them becomes illegal, um, the angel for that permanent won't be created. However, if the permanent is still a legal target, it's just, yeah, it got indestructible or a shield counter or something. You know, it isn't destroyed. You're still going to get your Kurt Angle token. Angel token.
0: Angle. 90 degrees. Yes. All right. Titan of Industry for four green, green, green. Creature elemental, 7-7 seven, seven, with reach and trample. When Titan of Industry enters the battlefield, choose two. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. Target okay. player gains five life. All right. Create a 4-4 four, four, green rhino warrior creature token. Cool. Put a shield counter on a creature you control. Nice. Before we even get into this, like I just at this moment realized that this is a building stomping around. That's cool. <laughs> I love it, him.
1: It's it's like Metroplex.
0: I don't know what that is.
1: It is the city transformer. Because oh, look, it's okay. a building. Look, it's got a little face. It's got a little transformer face on it. it face. Yeah.
0: Oh, I just look closer. Ooh, I like it less now. That's weird. What?
1: So you thought it was cool when it was a building, but now that it's got a face, it's weird. Yeah. You watch so much anime with mechs and stuff, and they have faces?
0: His face is too tiny for his huge building body, though. It looks goofy. Anyway, he needs a bigger head. Bigger head. Right on top. Anyway. So, the first two modes have targets, which means, based on how you choose your modes, you might not get your three or four modes if the targets from modes one or two are illegal on resolution. So beware.
1: Beware. Beware. This is not a Halloween episode.
0: (laughs) I just like doing that at any opportunity, I guess.
1: Oh, just the spooky beware. I love it. All right. The next card up is Unleash the Inferno. For one and a Jund, it is an instant. Unleash the Inferno deals seven damage to target creature or planeswalker. When it deals excess damage, this way, Destroy target artifact or enchantment and opponent controls with mana value less than or equal to the amount of excess damage. What? All right. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to read that again. And then I'm going to go complain on Twitter for having to read a card a second time. Unleash Inferno deals seven damage to target creature Planeswalker. Okay. When it deals excess damage this way. And what excess damage means is it's the damage dealt above and beyond what is considered lethal damage. Okay. And for a Planeswalker, lethal damage would be the amount of damage that is dealt greater than the number of loyalty counters. So if it's got three loyalty counters and you're dealing seven, the excess damage is seven minus three, four. Okay. When it deals excess damage this way, destroy target artifact or enchantment an opponent controls with mana value less than or equal to that amount of excess damage. So in my 7 damage going to a 3 loyalty counter Planeswalker, the excess damage is 4, and I look at the mana value of them artifacts or enchantments and get to nuke something that's 4 or less. Um, a
0: tick.
1: Yep, and just a note, just in case someone tries to get cute, if you deal 7 damage to a 7-7, seven, seven, and you're like, oh, well, I should be able to destroy that Mox because I dealt 0 excess damage. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, yuck. Yuck, yuck. Oh, 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 you're <laughs> clever.
0: I'm sorry.
1: You can't. You can't do that. Well, Gorsh. 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 I didn't Gorsh realize. Sora. <laughs> Gorsh, Sora. I didn't realize you could do damage. X zero XS damage. Oh, I, I wish I could tired. do a goofy. I wish I could do a Donald voice right there.
0: I want to do a Donald voice so many times in every day.
1: (laughs) It's just the incomprehensible swearing part. Right.
0: Just when he goes ballistic. Like, (laughs) that's what my brain sounds like quite a few times a day. Anyway. Just
1: just yelling and screaming obscenities, wearing only a shirt.
0: Wearing only a shirt. Like, got my dukes up, just swinging wildly. Got a sailor hat. You gotta have a sailor hat.
1: Oh, you do. Obviously sailor <laughs> no hat. No
0: pants and a sailor hat. <laughs>
1: yes. All right. Well, spe- speaking of Donald Ducking it.
0: <laughs> Urabrask Heretic Praetor, also doesn't wear pants. Three Red Red, Legendary Creature, Phyrexian Praetor. So this is a 4-4. It's got haste. I gotta foil one of these. I'm excited about it. Um, At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, the next time they would draw a card this turn, instead, they exile the top card of their library, they may play it this turn. So, yeah, that's what it do. Yeah. So, really, we're just here to talk about how to handle the second trigger while playing. So, so what happens if it's missed?
1: Yeah, because this is not a replacement effect, which is actually kind of good. Because, we, you know, hidden card error is a thing. So if this was a replacement effect, and and the opponent just yoink picked up a card, put it in their hand, you'd be like, ah, hidden card. Let me see that hand and do all that kind of stuff. So that's a little bit of a mess. So having it be a trigger means that you, the controller of Urbrask, can miss it. So it's a little bit of little bit of insurance, and this doesn't currently fit real great in our policy docs.
0: Like. <laughs> Wait, are you saying this was this was crafted specifically to avoid giving people HCEs the best of all infractions?
1: Uh I think it was set up this way to avoid people having a derp moment and putting the card in their hand and then their opponent playing gotcha. Alright. Okay, so we're gonna have to wait for the policy docs to come out. Okay, because Strict readings of HCE, strict reading of Miss trigger policy, strict reading of GRV. Nothing really covers this card in all cases. Philosophically, though, if you, the controller of Urobrask, want your trigger, you need to say something like, go Urobrask trigger, you know. That that kind of thing don't because a lot of times when people do like untap up keep draw they just kind of do all that stuff at once. You need to basically be Johnny on the spot with reminding about your trigger, and that's kind of the way we've done stuff like this in the past.
0: You can just make up whatever infraction you want
1: until until the official. Oh no no report. no! Use use philosophy. Don't just make it don't make it up.
0: I mean, I'm saying if, if there's no specific,
1: you yes. find the philosophical underpinning that that. Matches best Like we have things About like You know The opponent can't Blow through your trigger Can't rush past it But we well, also my have
0: philosophy Is to have fun
1: I'm talking about Penalty philosophy
0: Well I know Which is not fun My penalty philosophy is to, is to have a good time Along the way You know
1: Okay Well You you and Urbrass Can just Donald Duck it To your heart's content But <laughs> But uh But I'm I'll going to Put no out pants. the trigger Yes <laughs> You are com- Complete <laughs> All right, so that's the last card in the Streets of Nuka-Penna set. Uh, there's some commander cards, but man, we're not going to talk about those. So what is what is this here? What is this note? You want to yell at me for courier font?
0: I'm trying. Is that what you said your favorite font was?
1: Yeah, that's what I said. My favorite font was courier.
0: All right, I'm just looking at what's available here in in the in the Google notes. <laughs> yeah,
1: the the reason the reason why it is my favorite font is because it is fixed width. And which is the exact reason why other people will say it sucks.
0: I actually don't know that I have a favorite out of
1: Because the I is the same width as the R is the same width as the M.
0: No, I, I think there's some validity to that. That definitely helps with like planning out spacing of things as someone that noodles around in Photoshop more than I ought to be allowed I, to. I,
1: I do a lot of uh, table editing in like Notepad and SQL and stuff like that. Big, big, huge fan of having my courier font, and then just having my indents. I'm really anal about my indentation, <laughs> like, like.
0: I just knew you would.
1: Think. Right, if I if I'm editing in one piece of software and like the tab is three spaces, and I take it to another piece of software and that treats the tab as five spaces, day, <laughs> day ruined. Oh. You know what? What? I don't think I like any of these fonts. (laughs) What what font is that? This is that was
0: Pacifico.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: I don't like any of these. I like.
1: What do we? So this is. We're now uh, font cast.
0: I'm just looking at what exists in here. Just
1: can we agree that we all hate Comic Sans? Of course. I do like Impact. There's a font called Lobster.
0: Of course. Oh my God. That's like. That's like. The for, of fonts.
1: For, for our listeners, I don't know if you noticed, but we've, we've kind of ended the actual content of the episode. Syncopate. What is this? What? Syn-
0: oh, I do have syncopate.
1: Yeah, this is, it's Google Docs. We should have the exact same fonts. It's not sycophant font. <laughs> sycophant. Exactly. <laughs> sycophant font is just fan font is just whenever you type in it's just like what do you want to see i'll just like you, uh, whatever. whatever choice you make is great i'm sure i'll uh, sure we'll love it
0: i i hate to admit this but i think you might be right re- i think you might be onto something here i think courier might be the best one on this list
1: courier is pretty solid i like it
0: all right i'll i'll leave you alone about this one then.
1: <laughs> all right fix with fonts or bay.
0: I never mind. I will not leave you alone.
1: What? That's all. There's a font called caveat. <laughs> all right. <laughs> like okay. No, okay. Okay. All right. We're, all right, we're losing so, listeners.
0: So that's our episode. Join us next time when we find some kind of a topic to talk about. Until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at JudgeCast. Till next time, I'm Samantha Har, and I keep it fun.
1: I'm Brian Prillman, and I keep my pants on. I no. <laughs> not really. How,
0: how many beers?
1: <laughs> uh we're at two right now and
0: What what is the what is the beer count for for Donald ducking it?
1: Oh, like five or six. Is just I'll I'll fight. I mean, I got to get I got to get angry enough to fight and be hot.